welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And guys, well, just one guy tonight because it's just going to be me and, as you uh, know. Hey, hey, everyone. Uh, it's Daniel Hinn here. Uh, just wanted to give out uh, give a shout out to uh, Dylan, who who uh, <laughs> me and I, uh, you know, we had a heated discussion about this series over the week over the July Fourth weekend. Hope everyone's holiday uh, weekend was well, and you know. Joining me is Jared Castillo. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a, a strange lineup tonight. You know, we're not we're not joined by G. You know, drill sales, really real drill sales. You know, but it's fine. We got the energy because this game was absolutely incredible. I mean, if you're a Suns fan, you're loving this, and if you're like Dylan, a Bucks fan, not so much because even though Giannis did come back from this really horrendous looking injury a few days ago. They still were just missing that, mm, right? And yeah, I I kind of expected this to happen. To be honest with you, they were gonna, the Bucks were gonna head into hostile territory. That Phoenix crowd was loud tonight. That was that was that was louder than a, a stable center uh, crowd than um, a center crowd on a good Laker night. So that that building seemed like it was it was trembling. So I mean, and Giannis. Let's be honest, he wasn't 100% there. No. And the it's interesting we talk about Giannis. We'll get to more of the nitty-gritty stuff later. But right now, Daniel, what are you thinking? What's on your mind about this series? Because for me personally, this is this is a great series. I mean, just saying it now. This, the Dario Saric injury does sting a bit, but it's not too much of a damper, if you know no. what I mean. It's going it's, to be a fantastic series all around. But what are your thoughts, just straight off the bat? Um, this is going to be a explosive series. I don't think it's going to be uh, going to seven games. It's going to be fun to watch. But what I'm thinking right now, I expected Game One to go this way. Um, as I said, Phoenix had the huge home court advantage tonight. But what I'm thinking right now is Phoenix has the total advantage going into the series. I think um, I know I have a history of reputation of jinxing stuff. I changed yeah. my finals predictions, my championship predictions all year, like five separate times um, telling you that it's been an abnormal season, but this game is this series is going uh, suns and six. I just feel like Phoenix is the much more balanced team. I think we're so we continue to see a force display Milwaukee. Let's be clear. They've been lucky. I mean, all, all both teams have been lucky, but Milwaukee at times, especially all see all postseason long, I felt they have not played better than their opponents. A lot of times I felt the opponents have played better than them. It's just injuries have got the best of them. Brooklyn is the in the prime case. Uh this team ha- just has too many bigs. They can't shoot the ball. It's it's they're just long. They're just long. There's Giannis, but you know, in the post, but he's his offensive game is limited, and a lot of that game is athleticism. Giannis needs to work on his post game in the in the offseason. Honestly, Bucks fans, they shouldn't exactly give up after tonight, but Phoenix looks like they are the they are the much more balanced team going in. Yeah, they're locked in because if you paid attention, if you just watched the game outright, you would see that there was just something about Phoenix, right? And you talked about the balance scoring numerous times. They had one, two, three, four, five, six players in double figures, led by Chris Paul with thirty-two, going twelve of nineteen from the field. With nine assists, almost had a 30, 30 and ten double double in the in his first game in the NBA Finals, and this is someone that 
has been historically known as someone that is kind of wishy-washy when it came to, you know, really outstanding performances like, oh, he's not clutch enough. Well, he's showing you that in his first game at the essentially the grandest stage of them all, he can produce. I mean, in the first quarter, he had zero points. And it was kind of like one of those things I was seeing on Twitter. Oh, you know, it's the it's the classic Chris Paul game. It's like, oh, he's back. Chris Paul is back. But then he goes off and scores like 32 the rest of the way. That's insane, dude. That is absolutely insane. And, you know, you mentioned Giannis. There were a lot of questions surrounding whether or not Giannis would play. And he he did end up playing 35 minutes, grabbing 17 boards to go along with 20 points, four assists, two steals, a block, three turnovers, and five fouls. But really quickly, what did you think of Giannis? Here's the thing, though. Um, Giannis didn't look too bad. He he was still effective. He still could run the you know he could still help run the offense. He he at times he looked like his normal self. There there were some monstrous jams there, during the game. Um, I forgot which quarter, but like he had that. How do I describe it? That nasty poster in the in, during the the early post uh, first half. But mm-hmm. overall, he looked decent. It's just you can also tell. He's coming off injury rest. He's not. He's clearly not one hundred percent. He's fifty to seventy-five to put a percent to put a broad statement on things. Um, it, it's. I think he's going to be better as the series goes along. But you can tell, like Gian- Giannis is. He's like a fresh baby in the new in the pool. It's like he he he's yeah. he's, he's he feels a little green out there. It's going to have to take some time to get to knock the rust out. Yeah, and. In this kind of instance, right, because Giannis isn't playing 100%, you need guys like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to step up. And, I mean, you know, Chris Middleton, he shot 12-26, but it seemed like his production came way too late. Yeah, Like, when the game was kind of out of hand in, in some ways, because we saw in, like, the first and second quarters, it was kind of like a close game. I think the, the Suns led by eight uh, at the end of the first half. But then in the third quarter, that's when everything just kind of escalated for Phoenix. And Phoenix let loose. Absolutely. I mean, you, we saw everyone get into the act. Whenever there was kind of like a shift in momentum, you felt like you would see Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and even all the others, right? Cam Johnson sometimes, maybe even Torrey Craig. They were doing all the little things to help Phoenix get that mm, that mm back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, so, sorry, sorry to like jive in, but like <clears throat> the, the Phoenix is just—they just feel so balanced. They have mm-hmm. a balance of defense. They have a—they have a great offensive game. There's just there. There's a nice mix between the two. And Milwaukee, on the other hand, he, he, like they have defense. They can definitely lock opponents down defensively, but they can't. They just can't score. They—they they don't. When teams score in Milwaukee, Milwaukee oftentimes has trouble responding. And that's what we're seeing full on display. This is how, this is why, like a guard is so like a one or a two is so important in today's NBA. You need mm-hmm. guys that can shoot the three ball and and shoot like the mid range. Milwaukee doesn't really have that. Well, to be fair though, you mentioned the three ball. Milwaukee did shoot sixteen of thirty six for forty four percent. Meanwhile, yes. the Suns shot eleven of thirty four for thirty two percent. So they outscored. They outscored the Suns. I was about to say the Clippers for a second there. They outscored the Suns by a lot in the three-point category, but it was just all the other things, right? Like 
mm-hmm. mentioned how the Bucks are kind of like slow to respond. Yes. Well, is that a product of their coach or is that necessarily the players on the players? I should say, because we've known this about coach, Bud. he's one of those people that he's one of the very few coaches that has a very difficult time kind of figuring things out when it comes to in-game adjustments. He's doing great when it comes to like game by game, when it comes time for in-game adjustments, it was kind of tough because you saw it in the third quarter, like the bucks became disjointed Coach Bud didn't really have anything to to kind of offset that lack of experience, I would say. Would you agree? I think a big problem of this is indeed Coach Bud. Um, like, I mean, the lack of, you know, a gu- lack of guards at times with the Bucks is one thing. But being slow to respond, honestly, put that put that whole thing on Coach Budenholzer. You, you, the coach's job is to motivate your players, set up X's and O's, make proper adjustments adjustments during the game, pre-game, and after the game to prepare for the next game. We're not seeing that from Coach B. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and we, we clearly saw that tonight. Um, that's why, I mean, they should have, this Bucks team, let's be real, they should have been gone two rounds ago. Had Brooklyn not gotten hurt, this Bucks team, Coach B would have been, you know, getting ready to move his, sell his house, and Giannis right. could, would have been ready to go to uh, take his trip to Cancun. Um, the, I just think the Bucks are going to get out coached in this series. I think Monty Williams is the better coach right here. He seems to have his team motivated around him. Um, right. And and when I and when do when the Suns do it inevitably when I think I think despite making it to the finals this year, I think Coach Bud should be fired because he despite getting to the finals, you had a lot of trouble getting there, and it doesn't bode well for the long term. Yeah, it's one of those instances where he was more lucky than good. Yes. Because they say that all the time whenever you're playing basketball, right? You just you just throw up a shot. You don't expect to go in. People just say, oh, it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. This is just one of those times. He was just Pure lucky. lucky. Yeah. That everyone that he faced, every team that he faced, had a, well, I wouldn't say horrific injury, but a pretty rough injury that they had to navigate to and through, and they just didn't really navigate through it and i mean let let's let's go let's let's re let's reevaluate the bucks playoff run so far they go up up against a, a miami team who's honestly rusty and fatigued from last season they never really rested up and recovered um they were going through fight they were going through you know a you know a bubble whiplash i would right. kind of say then they then they get brooklyn big three Kyrie Harden gets hurt, and then um, Atlanta. Trey Young he gets hampered. So it's the Bucks. They they just they've hit the lotto a couple times. Oh yeah, they should like they should try to figure out what they can do against fully healthy squads. Because aside from the again the Dario Saric knee injury, this is a fully healthy Sun squad. They're locked and ready to go, and. You mentioned in-game adjustments just a few minutes ago. Overall, this is a 13-point win for the Phoenix Suns, 118-105. And in that third quarter, when everything was going wrong for the Bucks, we were talking about adjust- in-game adjustments for Coach Bud. I mean, it's an absolute shock, right, that it didn't balloon to more than 20 in the third quarter because we saw that the offense was just bad. For the Bucks, because you saw multiple times that Drew Holiday just had like you know 
just held the ball for like 19 seconds, then chucked it up. It was kind of like the Houston Rockets, you know, type of offense, but nobody really was doing anything. And no attack. It was, exactly. No attack. And if it wasn't for Brooke Lopez or and Chris Middleton just going off, and like we mentioned, that's kind of when Chris Middleton, you know, caught, got got hot, but it got hot too late, right? He, it was it was just bad offense. There was nothing being done. It's like, okay, well, you know, we'll try putting Bryn Forbes in in the fourth quarter, see if that helps. But then when it came time for the other end, Chris Paul and Devin Booker were just abusing Bryn Forbes, even though Bryn Forbes is on Cam Johnson most of the time. They would just switch off, and he would just get abused. And I honestly don't know what the Bucks can do from here because – they have a lot of lengthy players, but like you said, there's not a lot of scoring. There's not a lot of yeah. They they outscored the uh, the Suns from three point land, but their free throw percentage they shot fifty six percent, and they only shot sixteen times with Giannis going to the line twelve times. Giannis missed more free throws than made them. If I can, it just it felt that way. Like they the Bucks were pretty bad from the free throw line tonight, and free throws are the most underrated part of basketball, in my opinion. And if you can't hit them, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage late in games, especially in close games. Yeah, the fact that the Suns only missed one free throw, they went 25 of 26 from the line. Meanwhile, the Bucks, like I said, 9 of 16 from the line. Awful. Yeah. And I don't think even because Giannis went 7 of 12, which isn't bad for him. That's not bad. But just going into the weeds of it a little bit, I still don't understand why Giannis, once he gets to the apex of his shot, he stops, right? Like as, mm-hmm. as someone who, and you, you know, everyone can attest to this. Like if you watch basketball and if you look at all the best free throw shooters or shooters in general, when it comes time for them to get on the line, they they don't have that weird hitch. And I don't know why it's he smooth. keeps doing that. Yeah, it's one motion, right? Mm-hmm. But for Giannis, it's like, I'll get to the top, stop, then shoot. And that just kills all his momentum. And it just it looks so weird. I don't know why he does that. I really don't. It's, I mean, I want to reiterate what Relly Rell has said multiple times, and I, I completely agree with them. Giannis needs to develop a post game. He's, it's becoming clear at this point that he is a legitimate, uh, legitimate, a legitimate four. He's a big. He belongs in the post. He's right. got to work on his footwork because his mechanics shooting, even his jumper, they're not there. It's he's, he's just not meant to do those things. It's yeah. And speaking of his jumper, he took a three and it was how many threes did he take? Oh, he went one of two Great. That should be zero of zero. He shouldn't be taking three pointers at all. Yeah. He, you're a seven foot monster of a man. Just, Get into the paint. You have that ability. We've seen it countless times. You can just bully ball. He did it on Aiton. He just bully balled his way into the paint, but he wants to do stuff outside of the paint. Just completely eliminate the three-point you know, shot from his game, and I think he'll be okay. Because when you see him shooting, he's his back is like bent backwards. He's like leaning mm-hmm. back when he shoots, and his, there's no rhythm to it. There's absolutely no, no rhythm. It feels com- his 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 mechanics in general, ju- like you know, shooting wise, they're it's how do I describe it? Unnatural. It's unnatural. It's very much unnatural, and I think that that's just a product of him 
being a big, trying to be a small. Mm-hmm. And, so. and a little bit ignoring those skills um, during his much younger days developing as a player. He just never he just never focused on that until now. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that makes Giannis such an interesting case study, right? When we think about all these different players, who does he want to be? We were talking, Jarrell always talks about how AD wants to be like Kevin Durant. But what does Giannis want to be? Because I don't know if it's just me, but I see a young Orlando Magic Shaq in him. Like that's what his game most resembles. Because if you look at, actually, no, scratch that. Maybe a mix of like prime Charles Barkley with the 76ers and a little bit of Shaq. Because he has that dribbling capability and the and the ability to pass it off like a young Charles Barkley, but he has the unstoppable force of a young Shaq. I don't know why he's trying to shy away from that just because the game is evolving that way. I mean, I, I mostly agree with you. To me, in my, in my eyes, like the Shaq comparison is, you know, it's a, it's a good one. He's, how do I say it? He's a, he he's a Shaq type player. He he. I'm gonna be honest. He's a leader in the locker room, but he shouldn't be your first offensive option. I keep reiterating this. They need to find a way to fix that one or two player problem because we're seeing the finals, and this is why they're gonna lose because because Phoenix ultimately has the their strongest players are a one and a two. So and in today's right. league, those positions get rewarded the most. And we're seeing the consequences of ignoring those positions being seen for, like firsthand. And, it, and I don't see Milwaukee getting out of this. They just don't have the proper shooting and those proper players to help Giannis like get to the next level. Yeah. And you talk about the one plus two. Devin Booker and Chris Paul were just absolutely fantastic. We mentioned how whenever it seemed like the Bucks had something going in the third quarter and beyond, second half, I should say. They were just there to stop out anything that was potentially going to to upend the Sun season. Like we talked about it. Chris Paul had 32 points, nine assists. Devin Booker had 27 points, six assists, and three three steals from a guy you don't typically think of as a defensive force. I mean, yeah, he shot eight of twenty-one, but he went ten of ten from the free throw line. So he was getting hacked. And shout out to Devin Booker and Chris Paul for, you know, working things out because I don't know if you saw on Twitter there was a video that was going around that mm-hmm. after Chris Paul was traded, the first thing I think it was the day after or like two days after, very soon after he got traded to the Suns, Chris Paul and Devin Booker were were in the gym working out and working on their games. And so I guess you're just seeing the fruits of their labor, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to put it out there. I know people have called Devin Booker overrated in the past. Um, Empty stats I just, too. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked it. I've always loved Devin Booker. I just loved how beautiful his offensive game was. And me being a Laker fan, I kind of, I mean, he's he's nothing like Kobe, but I've seen resemblance of his game to, in comparison to the Mamba's game. And right. I, I'm just so, I'm just glad that, He's having the success now um, because how do I like put this? Like I love seeing the Suns team play. They're they're a, in my opinion they're a fine balance of new ball and old ball coming together, and it's right. absolutely beautiful to see. 
Yeah, you talk about old ball, right? The new ball being Devin Booker and kind of like in a weird way, Chris Paul kind of bridging that gap, right? Because Chris Paul, mm-hmm. he has that that shooter's mentality. He's the the typical point guard. And then you also talk about the new ball, which is Devin Booker shooting threes, driving, going into the lane, things of that nature. But something that kind of is interesting is how DeAndre Ayton's playing, right? Underrated. Very, very underrated because he had, what, 20 point, 22 points, 19 rebounds, almost a 20-20 game in his first NBA Finals game. And the fact that he shot 80% again, that actually brings him with a few guys, right? Check out this list that he joins when he finished with 20 points and more than 15 rebounds and 80% field goal percentage. Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If you're talking about the old style of playing basketball, he's bringing it back. Definitely agree. Um, the way he he plays, I mean, I just he he's definitely like more on the um, the rhythm of the the traditional like steps the uh, back basket type of player. He I've you know I've always I've always had high hopes for DeAndre Aiden, even mm-hmm. coming into the draft. He seemed like your more classic center, I've in which I feel like is kind of missing in today's game. Right. So and up uh, to Aiton's impact, um, I think his impact is not necessarily being shown in the stat line, even though on some nights he does put up good stats. Mm-hmm. It's what he's doing, like in the other stuff. He's providing his team with uh, this Phoenix team with you know an additional like surplus of size defense. He's getting rebounds. He he's doing stuff the casual fan is not going to see. And that's what I truly appreciate what DeAndre Aiden has brought to the table for this Phoenix team all postseason long. And I think that's going to help. He's going to be a major factor why I think Phoenix will inevitably win a championship at the end. Yeah. The thing with DeAndre Aiden too, is that he's still very, very young. Like when was he draft? He was first, right? In like 2019 or something like that. He was in Luca's draft. That's crazy. I think 20... it was 2018. It was Aiton, and then it was Bagley. Dude, then Luca. Just imagine, because because his first few years with the Suns were pretty bad, all things considered, it, right? Yes. They yes. never won more than 30 games, and then Chris Paul comes along, and then they're winning. They're in the NBA Finals, of course. It makes you wonder, right? If if Aiton continues on the trajectory that he's currently on, along with Devin Booker being on his trajectory, is it fair to say, and I know this might seem blasphemous, but is it fair to say that they may be a discount Kobe Shaq-like like combo? Not necessarily the same combo, but a discounted light-like version of them, if you get what I'm saying. I I kind of see I honestly see what you're going there, Jared. I think they they if they continue on this trajectory, I I feel like they could be in the same vein and cloth as Kobe and Shaq because they kind of both of them kind of play like a similar style of basketball. There's right. one guy in the perimeter, and there's one guy down low giving the the huge huge uppercut to the um to the chin. Yeah, because if if you take out DeAndre Ayton. Then you got to deal with uh, Devin Booker, and if Chris Paul stays, then you have to deal with him too. Well, who do you try and cover? I don't know. It's a it's a tough conundrum, a conundrum that Coach Bud has to figure out really quick, 
because he has a day to figure it out. And if if all you know, I don't know how else to properly say this, but if he can figure it out, great, because it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting because DeAndre Ayton, he is a beast in it in it of himself because he's he's shooting basically eighty percent this entire postseason because he just had his fourth game with twenty points or more on eighty percent shooting. That's the most in any in any game during the shot clock era. So makes you wonder, right? Yeah. Um I mean if if Aiton keeps going on his on the path he's on uh, on right now, um he's in my eyes a definite top three center. I would take Aiden over Carl Anthony Towns today. Um that's how how favorable I have come to see Aiden through, like throughout these last few weeks. So I mean I hope he continues his progress because you know if if, if he does he's going to be a helpful part of the sun scene for years to come. No doubt. That's why they picked him first overall because they knew his potential and Monty Williams is bringing out that potential in the biggest stage of them all. So props to Monty Williams for getting that all squared away. But, you know, just a, a few more things here before we wrap things up. Overall, you said that the Suns will win in six, right? If, if, the series does continue to go on. Will you change your view? If you, okay, let me rephrase that. If Giannis becomes healthy, one hundred percent healthy by game three, two or three, let's say, right? Do you still take the Suns in six? Uh, I will take the Suns in seven. I just don't see the Bucks winning the series. They're just too offensively limited, and the Suns team we've seen it this postseason, honestly. Defense still does win championship mm-hmm. championships, but offense is ultimately very much key. And the Suns are too balanced in that offensive attack. They they have the, the guard play to do it. Milwaukee doesn't. They just lack the guards to help Giannis get to that next level. I you know I'm saying this for the fifth consecutive time. Um, it's just there's no way I see the Bucks winning. It's just Giannis. I just it just feels Giannis is out there all by himself. And he does he just doesn't have the proper help he needs. Chris Milton, he's a good player, but I feel like he's been too inconsistent at times this uh, this postseason. There'd be games he he shoots in abysmal 16, 15 points, and the next game he shoots 38 points. Um it is just in the now we're in the finals, you can't have that. You need guys to be out there single handedly every night. And I just don't see Milwaukee uh, getting that help for Giannis. No. I mean that's fair. I mean if you're if the the person you brought in Drew Holiday who's supposed to be your third option is only scoring 10 points and he's outscored by Brooke Lopez of all people. Like Brooke Lopez a former All-Star all-world talent, but there's no way Brooke Lopez should be your third scorer unless yeah. he's unless he's dropping 30 something. Absolutely. I mean when Brooke Lopez is one of your higher scorers in the NBA Finals game there's an issue. Chris Middleton yeah. should be leading, should be helping Giannis lead the way. Absolutely. And so it's only been one game, and I have to ask this, but it's only been one game. But who do you think is facing the most pressure right now? Chris Paul or Giannis? I personally believe it's Chris Paul because Giannis, his back is against the wall. They only just need to win this next game. He can play as horrible as he can, but if they win this next game, there's no pressure, none at all. 
The pressure is uh, all on Chris Paul now. It's definitely Chris Paul, even though he looks better. I think you know, he looked definitely better than his, you know, Colin Portionis tonight. Um, I just feel it's it's kind of different from the reasons you're standing. It's because his general it's his general career. Chris Paul, if you remove the championship, you know, stigma away from him, I, I truly believe he's a top three point guard of all time. There it's it's magic, Steph, then it's Chris Paul, and there's like a plethora of others. Um, I just think there's so much riding on this NBA final series. He's never won a championship so far. And he's like, he's already in his mid to late thirties. So this could very well be his, his one and only shot. So, and you kind of mix in the past playoff failures throughout his entire career. Um, I just, I, I just think like the time is now and, and you know, he, he's, he's got to keep fighting. Um, Giannis, even if he loses his series, he's still a young enough player. He could he could always find a way to return. And that's ultimately what I'm afraid of because with Chris Paul, this is his best and probably his last chance to win a championship. But with Giannis, I don't know if the Bucks can make it back. They got here on sheer luck. And I mm-hmm. honestly don't know if they have another shot after this year. So that's kind of something that I'm kind of afraid of. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, just uh, any uh, any last thoughts there before we head to the uh, quick hitters? It's, a, it's been a long time coming. And, you know, time has flown enough. Um, I guess I'm referring to the d- Twitter discussion we had, you know, <laughs> Dylan. Um, Shout out to Dylan. I'm rooting, I am rooting for Chris Paul in this series. Um, that man is an all-time great. And he he needs his championship. I am yeah. all behind him. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. Game three, game two, game three, game two is on Thursday, and then game three is on Sunday, I think. And it's then on the rest, Sunday. and the rest of the series will go on from there. But yeah, just uh, some quick hitters here before we wrap things up. So, really fun thing. Uh, if whoever wins the the championship this year, Tory Craig will get a ring. So hmm. shout out to Tori Craig and uh, also shout out to uh, Nate McMillan for being made the official head coach of the Atlanta Hawks because they, he just turned that, that team around. Uh, the deal is worth four years and the, co- the details of the contract are still be- being written. So we'll see how, what the financials are because you know, it is what it is. It's a part of the, the thing, but uh yeah, also shout out to Luka Doncic for leading Slovenia to the first to their first ever Olympic appearance after beating Lithuania 95-86. Shout out for also to you Daniel for putting this down there. Um mm-hmm. Luka had a triple double scoring 31 points, uh, grabbing 11 boards and handing out 13 assists. But uh yeah, anything to quickly add to those quick hitters before we fully wrap things up. Um, as a person that's kind of interested in the business of basketball, I truly hope Atlanta succeeds for the for you know the next decade or um, the next five to ten years. I think it's been an untapped basketball market, and I think I, I hope Nick McMillan and Trey Young. It, that was kind of a heartbreaking playoff loss. I hope they can make it back to that to you know to to a late playoff run again. I'm rooting for that city. Yeah, same here. But um, speaking of succeeding. Don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. 
Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter, at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram, and at The Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of The Shooting Bricks Podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Huen. And obviously, he's not here right now, but we want to give a shout out to your boy, Rally Rail, Jarrell Sales. And we miss you, Jarrell. We miss you, Jarrell. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>